You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dan the Bearded Wonder Ryan and Dean the Best Lord DeFalco. For the best comic podcast with the most personality on the web, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and welcome to issue 51 of the Paper Cuts Podcast, the penultimate issue of series one or season one. I don't fucking know how we're going to do it, but... There's only one more left, and we will have been doing this for a whole year. That's ridiculous, Dean. That's Uh, ridiculous. It is, but we've probably already been doing it for a year. I hate to break it to you. Oh, no, probably. But, (laughs) you know, we don't ever pay attention to the actual day that we started. We just go by the number of things that we have done. If you're listening and you haven't figured it out yet, joining me this week is Mr. Dean DeFalco. Holy shit, I am here. You really are, and that's good, because otherwise I would be talking to myself. It would be very strange. It's been a big week in comics. There was a lot of stuff that came out this week, and you chose to ignore most of it, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, I'm going to run down just a, uh, a quick overview of some of the Secret Wars stuff that came out this week. Some of it good, some of it bad, some of it ending. Um... And then a new image book, and then we are going to jump into a discussion about Transformers comics. Holy shit. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be pretty fucking serious. It's an interesting um, conglomeration of nonsense that has been the the Transformers publication history in the four-color medium, but I digress. Let's jump in with some of the Marvel Comics reviews. Now, we are coming up here relatively soon. Uh, we're getting close to the end of Secret Wars. And as such, a lot of these tie-in series are, if they're not outright ending, they are coming up to their you know, le- second-to-last chapter. They're, they're starting to wrap up. And one of those books that will be ending relatively soon uh, is Age of Apocalypse. And... Number three came out this week, and it's a really good book. Like, the the Age of Apocalypse storyline left a lot of people really divided when it came out originally back in the 90s, but this retelling of it has been uh, has been really good. Fabian uh, Nitsietza's artwork, or his, uh, his writing, sorry, has been spot on. I mean, he just, he's been writing X-Men comics for so long. Uh, this guy, he just knows the characters inside and out. And the, the art in this book by Gerardo Sandoval is is very, very reminiscent of what Chris Bacalo's artwork looked like in the 90s. That's part of what made this book divisive, is uh, whether or not you liked Bacalo's artwork. But uh, this stuff, it's it's really good. I mean, the characters are certainly exaggerated. There's... Uh, there's a lot of pouches. There's <laughs> there's I a lot of pouches. I I know you do. I know you do. But there's there's a lot of pouches and bandoliers and and uh, a lot of hair. There's a lot of big hair in the '90s characters. Like everything. Like everybody's kind of stubbly with long hair, and it's just you know. I mean, it it's a thing. Anyway, uh, in this book. Really, the the main thing that has been carrying this title has been the rumors of a human-developed virus that could wipe out all of mutant kind. We know this to be the legacy virus, uh, which was responsible for a ton of death 
in regular continuity. Here in this book, uh, the the agents of apocalypse find where the humans have hid the legacy virus. They go to capture it. Uh, the X-Men have also found where the legacy virus is, so they go to capture it. Wouldn't you know, they happen to get there at the same time. They fight a little bit. Apocalypse shows up, grabs the legacy virus, and smashes it open and says, let's find out who will be fit enough to survive. What a D-bag move, Apocalypse. Total dick move, right? It's like, hey, here's this thing that's going to wipe out our species. Um, I, I have it. I could keep it you know, safe and make sure nobody gets it. But no, fuck you. I'm going to open it. Let's see who's strong enough. And that's where the book ends. So decent cliffhanger. It's been a fun enough series. Um, doesn't, hasn't had a huge impact on the overall Secret Wars storyline, uh, but, but has been really fun nonetheless. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the, the next issue. One of the books that ended this week was Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies. A book that I have not enjoyed all that much. It's gotten decent reviews around the internet, but it's it just hasn't been something like the Marvel Zombies thing. I love Robert Kirkman. I love The Walking Dead. I didn't love the Marvel Zombies stuff. Uh, it just it was it was so drawn out and like it, it was so like the first series was was pretty cool, and then after that it was like all right, I get it. It was a joke. Why are you guys still doing this? Well, my favorite was Why? when they did Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies. I'm I, like, you guys like, just don't no stop, <laughs> please. Exactly. Like just come on. And the Age of Ultron storyline, uh, as much as I love Bendis, was not very good, I don't think. It, it was so delayed, and, you know, it came out years after it was supposed to come out. And, you know, so anyway, you take two events that I didn't really care for, care for all that much. You put them together uh, along with uh, Wonder Man in the safari jacket, and uh, you just don't have a book that I'm going to be a huge fan of. The writing is good, though. Like, I, looking at it critically, James Robinson did a good job writing. The artwork by Steve Pugh uh, was really nice. I mean, it's kind of a classic Marvel-style artwork. Um, you know, I, it, it was good. It's over. They fight. The good guys win. I, like, nothing happened. You know what I mean? Ultimately, in this book, nothing happened uh, to any of the characters within the title that I really cared about or to impact Secret Wars as a whole so well if you're into zombies yeah i mean this is for you most of these books the all the 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 extra ones is this gonna have any finality on what's gonna happen in the main story when it ties up or are just most of them kind of their own thing they start and they end and well uh, see that's the thing some of them seem like they might because we'll talk about thor's number three in a minute but that book is leading leads me to believe that some of this will have an impact on the rest of the 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 battle world stuff. Okay. Um but yeah, I like I said we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll we'll get down to that. There's there's a few more in between. Um I did read uh, a little I started reading right before we started recording Deadpool versus Thanos. I read a little bit of that. That was actually one of the ones I was going to talk about. But, but all means Please go ahead because you probably got way more into that than I did. I don't. I only got a couple pages in, and then I looked up at the clock and was like, "Oh shit, we start recording in a minute." It's so, funny. it's funny. Yeah, it's it's Deadpool. It's funny. I'm gonna go ahead and recommend it, even though I didn't finish the book. Um, 
I'm going to say pick it up. It's Deadpool. It's funny. This seems to be a a a funnier Deadpool than it doesn't seem as forced because it is so ridiculous. You know, like a lot of the more recent Deadpool stuff with Secret Wars has been like, well, we got to put Deadpool in there somewhere and it's been a little forced. This is just so out of left field and so insane that it works. Yeah, I don't, I, th- I don't think this has any canon in Secret Wars. I think this is just its own thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's just a separate little series. So go ahead, pick that up. Deadpool versus Thanos. Uh, Hail Hydra number two is the final book. From what I understand, it's the final thing that Remender will be doing for Marvel Comics for a while, which is, you know, kind of bittersweet because Remender is is such a great writer. Maybe, yeah, but I, I don't know. I look at that as a way for him maybe to get out there and do some other things. And, right. You know, and, that and make that's, me happy. Yeah, it's the thing. Like, it's it's going to make me really sad that he's not writing Marvel Comics any longer or is taking a break from Marvel Comics because I'm sure he'll be back at some point. But as sad as that may make me, that also means that we get more Remender creator-owned stuff, which is awesome because he's not going to DC Comics or anything. He's just going to start focusing on... Uh, like image books and whatnot or dark horse or wherever the hell his his stuff ends up coming out but this one hail hydra is pretty cool it's it's somewhat of a continuation of the captain america story that he was writing and that that captain america book if you started reading it for the marvel now relaunch it was so so insane for it to be a captain america book because it was a complete and total sci-fi story so you took the ultimate soldier and put him into, you know, Arnim Zola's Z world. And he oh. like <laughs> adopted a son, like, I mean, adopted, I say adopted, but he, he took Arnim Zola's son and like raised him and <laughs> turned him into a, like a soldier. Like it was just fucking weird, man. There was so much weird shit in that Captain America book. And in this one, it is. It is Ian Rogers, the the kid from that storyline, all grown up and trying to make Steve Rogers proud. And he fights Hydra, and Venom is a member of Hydra. And if you need any more than that, then comic books are not for you. It's very simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was awesome. It's Rick Remender. The artwork is uh, Roland Bashi, who is a really great artist. He's He's got a really... Um, a, a really... Uh, fucking uh, trying to think of the word, but a, a really bleak style that it just really works for this type of book. Like his his shit is dark and gritty without what you without what you normally think of things being dark and gritty. Like it doesn't look like '90s stubble and pouches when nice. I say gritty. I like it. I, it's it's just got a really just kind of dark real world feel to it. I I've just fucking dig it. It's a good book. And uh, like I said, I mean, if if Venom, as part of Hydra, fighting Captain Rod or Captain America's kid Ian Rogers from Arnim Zola's weird Z World is not a thing that you're into, then comic books may not be for you. Is really what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. We also had House of M number two. We talked about uh, issue number one last week. These seem like they're going to come out. Uh, re- I think it's every two weeks, like. Two issues and then a break and then two issues, something like that. Um, the first one was just a lot of setup and it was pretty cool. 
the the second one here is a little bit more fun like you get to see some more of the world that's going on like wiccan and speed the uh of the young avengers kind of just fuck with shield for like half the issue like they're just, just being dicks like not not really being mean or or anything just kind of being assholes hawkeye is there and he is leading the resistance army against the house of m and he has a bunch of deathlocks with him, which is pretty sweet, because I fucking love Deathlock. And there's a moment with Fin Fang Foom. Fin Fang Foom. Fin Fang Foom is in a major Marvel comic in 2015, and it worked, which is impressive. Dennis Hopeless is a really good writer. The artwork is uh, Marco Falia, who's got like a really really clean art style his stuff's really easy to follow it's really good i dug this book i like the house of m stuff i think um i think this will end up being one of the one of the better collected stories when all is said and done uh the last days of the silver surfer we've talked about this silver surfer book that dan slot's been writing mike allred's been drawing it's it's doctor who it's the tits it's it's the best it's such a great book and this is ending that book Surfer has dropped off his companion. Oh, son He's... of a bitch. I didn't want it to end. <sighs> I know. I, d- I don't know if it's just ending for Secret Wars and it's going to relaunch. I don't know. I don't think it's going to come back. It hasn't sold well. Really? It really hasn't. I mean, not the numbers. Like, not... Numbers in comic books are so weird right now because I, back in the day, every book sold... 600,000 copies, you know what I mean? Like when it was a speculator market in the mid-90s, late-90s, early 2000s, everything was fucking selling. It didn't matter what you put out. Now, if The Walking Dead sells 100,000 issues, it's the best-selling book by far. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a much smaller market than what it used to be. So in order to keep things profitable, books have to have to have a pretty decent sell-through, and Surfer just hasn't. Which is a shame because it's such a great book. Yeah, that has gotten very high critical like reviews. That is a very good book. Like people should be reading that. Guys, why? Why? I, I know it's one of those books that we're gonna look back at, you know, years from now and be like, "Fuck, I just goddamn that was good." Yeah, no, it's it's a shame, man. I mean, I'm happy they get to end it, and it just you know, there's a finality to it because that would suck if. You know, the book just dropped off and then it was the end of an issue and nothing, nothing's left. Yeah, I, it's, they're going to end it. They're going to get to tell the end of their story. Dan Slott is a phenomenal writer. He is, he has done a really amazing job. Like he has done a better job writing a Doctor Who story here uh, than Doctor Who has done in quite a while. Uh, like with yeah. building a companion that people actually like. And I say people, I do mean me, because Clara drives me fucking insane. But, like, Dawn has been just this awesome companion to to see the adventures through. Mike Allred's artwork is just gorgeous. It's beautiful stuff, and it it makes me sad that the book is ending. But at least they get, at least they knew it was going to end, yeah, and they, it wasn't like... Yeah, they do it on their terms. Yeah, they just, they get to tell their story. So, that's awesome. Uh, Spider Island number three. A bunch of different people in there. It, this is a weird book, man. Like, it's got Flash Thompson as Venom as kind of the the hero of the story. It's got uh, Cap Wolf 
a vampire Captain Marvel. They are fighting the Spider Queen that's taking over New York City. There's a a Green Goblin like Iron Man in here as well. Uh, it's it's a weird monster comic, and I I don't love it, but I, you know I could see it being for somebody like there's Paco Diaz is doing the artwork on it and. That, I think, is the best part of this book. It just looks really cool. The He's got a very uh, a very big art style. It's very exaggerated. The proportions are really out of whack. But for a book like this, that really works because you've got, you know, werewolf Captain America. So, it's okay that the proportions don't look human. It's I could see this being somebody's, like, favorite thing that has come out during secret wars it's not mine but it is it, it's a decent quality um we've also got there was a future imperfect book that came out this week it was the end of the future imperfect storyline where the maestro has been on this on this quest to be able to defeat god doom he ends up in a wishing well with uh, rick jones he finds a destroyer the asgardian destroyer goes up to the destroyer and Rick says, you know, this is a wishing well, he's going to get his wish. We see then the maestro covered in the armor of the destroyer. God Doom shows up, they fight. Maestro beats the shit out of Doom. It looks great. It's it's Greg Land is the artist on here, which I don't usually say Greg Land's artwork looks great, but this one looked really really good. Uh Peter David was writing it, so you know the writing is solid. But Maestro beats the shit out of God Doom, kills him, and then it turns out that when Rick Jones said it was a wishing well, he actually did mean it was a wishing well, and the Maestro got his wish. And he's just, sta- like, we see a cut of Rick Jones and a bunch of other characters looking at the Maestro standing in front of the armor, talking a bunch of shit about how he just beat up Doom, and they're like, the hell is he doing? What, What's going on? And they're just, he's... He got his wish. He got to fight him. So it didn't actually happen. Doom wins again. I, I kind of, like, in my head, I want the maestro, I know I say this a lot, but I want the maestro to have the Macho Man Randy Savage voice when he does, like, everything. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Doom, I'm coming for you. Ooh, at WrestleMania 35, yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want in life. I want everyone to have the Macho Man Randy Savage voice. Who, I'm, you're not wrong. <laughs> Except everyone would have laryngitis very quickly. Yeah, well, yeah, that's probably true. Uh Yeah, it's I'm I yeah, I know. It you fucked me up when you said that like months ago and you were like, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage voice for the Maestro cuz now I do try to I read these that. books. I said that once already. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. He looks like it, man. He looks like old I know. Macho Man Randy Savage. But like I read these books and I try to take them seriously and in my mind I can hear Macho Man's voice, and it just kind of ruins things a little Drops bit. the flying elbow, man. Come on. Oh, it's just, like, I'm just waiting for him to ask where Miss Elizabeth is. Miss Elizabeth! Hear, hear pomp and circumstances going on in the yes, background. Yes, he's the man. Maestro Fuck can be him. the man like that. It's, it's cool. I like it. He needs a robe. He needs a big, fancy, flamboyant robe, too. He does need, and the headband and the big sunglasses. Oh, my God. All right, listen. If there's Badass. anyone out there who can draw, we need a Macho Man Randy Savage Maestro. That needs to fucking happen. I want that on a T-shirt. Oh, like, my God, real yes. Real bad. 
<laughs> oh god. Ugh. Anyway, uh Squadron Sinister, number three, written by Mark Guggenheim and art by Carlos Pacheco, is probably the most underrated book that's coming out in the Secret Wars stuff because it's a bunch of characters that people are somewhat unfamiliar with. The uh, the New Universe heroes and the Squadron Supreme were kind of ancillary Marvel characters, and they've tried various times to bring them into the main continuity and make them relevant uh, to varying levels of success. Hyperion was a pretty big part of the Avengers stuff that Hickman was doing prior to Secret Wars, and he is originally from the Squadron Supreme. They're, they're basically, they were Marvel's analogs to the Justice League. I really like them. I always thought they were cool. This book is awesome. It's just been a big fight. It, it's, get this book. I, I promise you, you are missing something by not reading the Squadron Sinister book. It, it's really great. The... Star-Lord and Kitty Pride stuff. Uh, I flipped through this. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't read it all the way through. It's What's been great about it has been the, the dialogue and the character interaction between Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. Sam Humphreys is doing the writing, and he's, got, he's just got their voices down pat. Like They sound, they sound natural. They sound organic. Their, their interplay together has been really fun. I, I don't know where this book is going um and like i said i only flipped through this one but if you've been a fan so far check it out the first two issues were really solid and i imagine that this one i'll probably finish it later today i imagine this one will be really great as well um and rounding out secret wars for this week uh is thor's number three and we talked about this a few weeks ago where when the first issue came out where this is basically CSI. It is a procedural cop drama, except instead of police officers, you have Thors. And Beta Ray Bill was killed in the first issue, and that is the the ongoing mystery. Ultimate Thor and uh, Throg, which is the Thor Frog, and Bearded Thor, and a bunch of other Thors, like Werewolf Thor and shit, are trying to find out who killed Beta Ray Bill they get a name, they get the name Jane Foster, they're trying to find out who killed Jane Foster, they find out that there are a couple versions of Jane Foster that have been killed. In the second issue, last or two weeks ago, they found Donald Blake, who, for younger listeners, and really, if you're a younger listener, we say fuck a lot. You should probably get your parents' permission yeah, before you listen cut, to this. Stop, stop sneaking onto this podcast, kids. That's not cool. I mean, it's... It's weird. We don't want to get in trouble, okay? No. I, I certainly don't. But anyway, they, uh, they find a bunch of Donald Blakes. Donald Blake is, or is who Thor's human persona used to be way back in the day when Thor was first introduced into the Marvel comics. He, Donald Blake was a doctor, and he walked around with a, a cane, like a walking stick, and he would smack it into the ground, and he would transform into Thor. Kind of Shazam-like. I don't know, they explained it somehow, and I have since forgotten because Thor just exists now. But they find a bunch of Donald Blakes that have been murdered, and they find Loki. And they bring Loki in. This issue is the interrogation scene of Ultimate Thor talking to Loki because he is convinced that Loki has not only killed the Jane Fosters and the Donald Blakes, but also killed his partner, Beta Ray Bill. He's pissed off, as you can imagine. Interrogates him like 
tries good cop, bad cop, tries slamming him into a wall and threatening him, tries negotiating with him. The the dialogue between Ultimate Thor and this version of Loki is phenomenal because it's Jason Aaron. And that guy can't write bad comics. He, I, he certainly can't write bad dialogue. Loki is just awesome in this. The, uh, the plot line moves a little slow in the first half of the book. As interesting as it is, it is a little bit slow-paced. They, or Loki eventually convinces Thor, you know, there's a mass grave of Jane Foster's. You need to go find out what has happened to her. You need to find out why every time you say her name, you shudder. Every time you say Donald Blake's name, you feel something. You know that you do. You need to find out what that's all about. So Ultimate Thor flies off to to the zombie world again. They're really they're doing a lot of the zombie thing. He flies off to the zombie world and finds a mass grave of 150 Jane Foster's. They caught them all? Yeah, apparently. It's very much like a Pokemon. <laughs> very Pokemon-like. <laughs> okay. One of them's walking around shooting electricity out of her ass. It's really <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> this is where I, I start to say, though, that, that some of these storylines may start to have an impact okay. on the overall, because... They're starting to piece together, at least in this part, or in, in this little section of the battle world, they're starting to piece together that there exists multiple copies of these people. What effect that will ultimately have at the end of the day on the storyline, I'm not sure, but the Thors know it, and Doom knows it. Because Doom, I mean, he set it up, so obviously he knew it. Stephen Strange knew it, but he's dead now. So I'm not sure where they're going to take that and where, where that's going to have an impact, but I'm sure it will somewhere. I guess, um, I guess Doom wanted old Thor back and not Jane Foster Thor if he murdered 150 of them. Fucking seriously, right? But Jane, Fos Jane Foster Thor is still alive. In the main Secret Wars book, she's one of the people who was saved on the life raft he that Reed Richards one. brought over. So she's there, but all of her copies are dead. Like, there's a lot going on. It's pretty deep. And, like, that's the kind of the weird thing about the Secret Wars crossover so far has been that the main books have been great. The ancillary books have been pretty high quality, but it's really hard to tell which books are going to matter at the end of the day, which is made for difficult reading. Yeah, you know, because... I. While it's fun to read these books, most of us are on a budget, so you right. want to read something that's going to matter in the end, and, you know, if you're picking up a book that just starts and ends in four issues and has nothing to do with the main comic, it's a little disheartening, and it kind of sucks that Marvel doesn't really tell you what does and doesn't have any impact on the books. Yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been strange, and even some of the like some of the branding that they've put on the books, like Battle World or Secret Wars, like the the position of the logos and what like it there hasn't been enough consistency, I don't think, to to really help out their readers as far as this book matters more than the other books. So while we're not saying the other books are bad, if you need the main story, get this one. You know? Yeah. I, anyway, 
when it's all said and done, I think this book will end up mattering more. Uh, Ultimate Thor is there. He's investigating the disappearances of uh, these Jane Fosters, trying to solve who killed Beta Ray Bill. And someone from the Thor Corps shows up, and I'm not going to spoil it, but someone shows up who is a Thor and attacks him and leaves him for dead. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, it was good. Like, this has been a really fun book. I mean, it's it's Thor, but it's a cop drama. Like, that's that's a great fucking idea. I, I really like it. So that uh that wraps up the Secret Wars stuff for this week. I next week we are supposed to get um an issue in the main series proper, which I'm very excited about because it is it really has been so damn good. I am I am ready for this to be over pretty soon. I'm getting a little burnt out on Secret Wars, not because of quality, but just because of quantity, which is, I suppose, refreshing for a crossover to not be like, oh, God, this sucks. Like, all right, it's all pretty good, but there's a lot of it. Can we move on now? Yeah, and I, I feel you. It's, it's been a long, long summer. Like, uh, this has been a very, not, not a bad book. It's not Convergence, but, you know, it's, it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster. It's been an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just hit my see my fist. I hit it on the desk, and now it hurts <laughs> because it was an emotional roller coaster. God damn it! The emotions are coming just fast and furious, peaks and valleys. Exactly. Fucking insane. Fucking insane. Last book that I read before we jump over into uh, our Transformers discussion was a new image number one that I was really excited about by Jeff Lemire doing the writing and Emmy Lennox uh, doing the artwork called Plutona. It was Plutona number one came out this week and it mostly focuses on a group of kids, uh, two girls and well, five kids, two girls. Um, one of them is kind of a, like a cool aloof kind of girl and she's friends with another girl who one of the boy characters here uh calls chubbs she's a little chubby Ah, and he's kind of a dick uh she really wants the main character uh to like her like she's trying real hard and she makes this really like badass leather jacket and ends up giving it to the other character and you know, like there's a lot of drama in between around these girls. Uh, the girl's name is Mia. She is, or, or Mai, sorry, uh, the main character's name is Mai. She has to watch her little brother after school. She's all pissed off about that. As she is walking home from school, uh, they come across two boys. Uh, one boy is just kind of being a bully and a dick, but it's obvious that he comes from an abusive family like he's got a big bruise on his face and the other little boy who's kind of nerdy is like, dude, what happened to your face? He's like, I got into a fight with a ninth grader, but I totally kicked his ass. You know, like he got his ass beat at home. Like there's a scene earlier in the book of him, like trying to wake his dad up and it not going very well. Uh, the, the one little boy, the nerdy kid is trying to catalog like the, the bully asks him, you know, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm part of this, uh, internet group that, Whenever we see superheroes, we record them, uh, you know, like we, we make note of where we've seen them and then we post about it on our blog and we kind of cross reference and try to catalog the activities of superheroes. And the bully's like, oh, that's fucking 
nerdy, dude. God damn it. What a fucking nerd. Can I try? Right, and then... <laughs> nerd! Nerd, can I look? Um, So he starts looking and whatever, and they start talking about it and kind of being friends and whatever. The girls show up uh, with the with the main character, Mai's little brother, Mike. Uh, they show up. And uh, the bully turns up and he's like, this fucking nerd is looking at superheroes. Blah, he's such a nerd. And Mike runs off, ends up running down this hill. The five characters run after him. He's been playing on his phone this whole time. Like every time his sister tells him to come on, he's like, one more level, one more level. So maybe he's playing Puzzles and Dragons. Uh, yes, Dan. That's what he's doing. Everybody's fucking playing Puzzles and Dragons. They run off through the woods. They can't find him. They can't find him. Obviously, they're getting upset. You know, like, I lost my brother. Mom's going to kill me. Yada, yada. And they find the phone uh, laying on the ground. And they're like, oh, shit, isn't this Mike's? And then they turn over and look. And Plutona, one of the superheroes of this world, is dead in the woods. And that's where the book ends. I was like, all right, I'm in. It's kind of like... It seems like it's going to have some of the murder mystery aspects of, and like real world superhero aspects of, uh, of powers, um, but be mixed in with this character drama of the kids finding the body in the woods. Like it could be really cool. I'm, I'm really excited for it. It was, it was a good first issue. I don't, I don't think it was a great first issue. It felt like it was missing just a little something to really push it over the edge. Like we, the character development happens really fast. Maybe it could have had a few more pages because there is also a backup story in this about Plutona. And it's apparently going, it's like going to tell the story of her last day as a superhero. And we find out that her secret identity is a single mom trying to raise a daughter while working a job as a waitress, but also being a superhero. And you know, it's like, it's a couple pages dedicated to that. So maybe if instead of having that story there, dedicating it to the main characters, giving, just giving Lemire a little bit more time to flesh them out a little bit, but a little bit slower might've worked. I don't know. It, it, it was a weird book as far as pacing was concerned, but it looked great. Emmy Lennox's artwork was awesome. Really, really great artwork. Uh, Jordi Belair's doing the coloring. So Oh, your favorite. You know, everybody knows how we feel about Jordi Belair. So I pick this book up, Plutona number one. Awesome book. It is going to get better. I have faith in the Meyer. And that's what I got for this week. It was a big week. Lots of shit. I'm I'm surprised you read all that and then you read other things too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Alright. So Dean. What did you read? Because you read a lot about robots. I read from a what I understand. fat stack of Transformers books. You you wanna you wanna do the intros for this? <sighs> well, okay. Here's the thing about the Transformers comic book continuity. It is all over the goddamn place. Having been published by three different publish four maybe. Three, I, it's been published by a lot of different people, but the three main books were the original title. Um, that came out in 1984 Marvel. Uh, from Marvel Comics. It was supposed to be a four-issue miniseries. Like, they got the license, and Marvel did this with a lot of toy lines back in the day, and so did DC. There were He-Man comics, there were Transformers, there were G.I. Joe, there were Sectars, 
<laughs> was Gobots? Were there Gobots? I'm sure there were Gobots. Rom the Space Knight was <laughs> a toy line. Like the, uh. it was. It was just. It was very different in the '80s when I was a kid, as far as like comic books and cartoons and toys were concerned, because they all they were all kind of commercials for each other. It was very strange. But the Transformers one was supposed to be a four issue limited series, and they were just basically telling the first couple of episodes of the of the cartoon show of uh, the transformers uh they crash land on earth they they flee cybertron they crash land on earth they lie dormant for a while the ark is the ship that they fly down in and the ark when eventually has made when the ship has eventually made enough repairs to itself and to the autobots it it like scans the planet and finds like a bunch of cars and trucks and weapons and military planes and whatnot, and turns the Autobots and the Decepticons into those things so that they can be robots in disguise. It's pretty right? great. It's pretty awesome, actually. It really is fucking cool. I love the Transformers. But it ran the four-issue series, and, you know, Optimus Prime beats up Megatron at the end of the four-issue. Yay, it's all done. And it was selling so well for Marvel back then that they decided to make it an ongoing series. So at the end of issue number four, Shockwave, who is the purple transformer with the one yellow eye in the center, he's got kind of like a diamond head thing. He's like Megatron's lieutenant. Yeah, like Megatron's lieutenant, shows up, and uh, he's going to be the main bad guy going forward now. Wasn't supposed to be that way, but it's selling so well, they needed to continue it. So Shockwave shows up, and the series ran for 80 issues up until 1991. It started in 84. It was supposed to be four issues. They ended it at issue number 80 in 1991. That's pretty crazy. Now, that was in the U.S. In the United Kingdom, it ran for 332 issues. And those are actually widely available now, if you want to read them. Right. And they're wild, widely available now, so it makes trying to hunt down and read some of this shit really confusing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to find out what the hell happens where, or if you're like me and you're like, I'm going to get some Transformers comics, and you go on to Amazon and you buy some trade paperbacks, and you don't really pay all that much attention because when you're rich, who gives a shit what you spend your money on? YOLO. <laughs> and you end up with a bunch of the European British comics, and you're like, well, this is really fucking good, but when the hell did any of this happen? Those were written by Simon Furman, who will go on to be an important name throughout the rest of Transformers comics history. He was eventually brought over from the Marvel UK stuff to write the American stuff, taking over for Bob Budiansky. Budiansky, who, by the way, created Sleepwalker. Ah, uh, Dan, I knew you'd bring that up. All comes fucking full circle. Yeah. So he came over, wrote the American comics while also writing the British stuff. The British stuff, like, took the American comics, reprinted them, and then it expanded on them, um, adding a bunch of shit, like, to the mythology and whatnot. The British comics are, are more serious in tone. Like, they, they take the Transformers mythology 
and really go with it as if it like they they treat the material very very seriously in those books which would go on to influence the later stuff um so yeah did you read any of the the marvel stuff i have i read the some of the original u.s stuff and i gotta say it did not age well Mm -mm. i mean um you know since it was going to be a four issue miniseries it had a lot of stuff like oh i'm going to use my super awesome transformation mode into a race car and they said that yeah. it was in word bubbles and that was a thing so it got a little like kind of heavy on the shameless product placement <laughs> but mm -hmm. i mean overall you know if you were a kid in the 80s this was something you read man this this mm -hmm. fucking robots this was this was america's gundam like this was fucking cool so it was yeah. and and what was really awesome about it like especially for me and i know a lot of kids who were like me our favorite transformer was grimlock oh grimlock he was so badass yeah and in the American comic, and, in, and subsequently the British comic as well, um, Grimlock takes over as the leader of the Transformers. Like, he's the leader starting in, like, the, in the teens. Like, in, in, like, 17, 18, something like that. Grimlock takes over as leader of the Autobots and is leader for quite a while because Optimus is killed, like, a few times <laughs> throughout this storyline. Like, he comes back and, like, oh, I have the creation matrix of power and shit and like he pops back in and then like grimlock stops being in control and then optimus is killed again and grimlock's like ah me leader again fuck your mother and you know but more kid friendly and <laughs> sure like it, it was it was really awesome like i really loved seeing grimlock in charge well, I mean, he was one of those robots that uh, the, the Dinobots were, were sort of their, like, own separate force from the Autobots, and they were way stronger than any of the Autobots. Like, Grimlock was probably one of the strongest, like, good guys that there was. So, yeah, he was very comparable to uh, Optimus. Funny enough story, though, um, that theme of Optimus not being around is pretty current in most of the books. He always mm -hmm. seems to start off a story and then it'll pretty much go with him leaving and the story focusing on other characters which makes for an interesting time because you get to learn about characters that you might not know that much about there's only so much you could squeeze into optimus first megatron that's not fun so right. yeah they they uh, they've always had a sense of that and they've always tended to give these other characters personalities that you might not know well yeah and and the mythology is so deep and there's so many characters and there's so like, as you found out reading through this shit, there is so much history and, and depth to the transformers books. But I, you know, you had this one that ran for 80 issues and then Marvel published uh transformers generation two series that I've never read any of, uh, but I know it ran for 12 issues. It wasn't very popular a lot of that stuff has been um, fused into the overall canon while not explicitly, like, they haven't taken too much of it. So it, Most of the time, it's, it's with stuff like that, from what I've read, 
it's a different sort of timeline that mm-hmm. sort of runs parallel to the the main continuity and it'll sort of cross over every now and again not that often though yeah now what further complicates things is that the third of the publishers of Transformers Comics who is the current publisher IDW in 2011 said that they were going to finish the Marvel Comics storylines. They were going to run with those. So IDW has put out Transformers books starting in July of I think 2012. Well, no, let's let's rewind a bit. They've been putting out these comics since 2005. Well, those, yes, but but this one in particular, starting in 2012, oh, the more than Transformers stuff. 81, like they started a new oh, series, yeah, yeah, Transformers number 81, which is not a continuation of their stuff, it's a continuation of the Marvel stuff. Oh yeah, the the regeneration one stuff. Yeah, so that complicates things a little bit further because in between there. Pat Lee and Dreamwave Productions. Pat oh, Lee God. did a bunch of stuff with Image Comics. He did Dark Minds and uh, Neon Cyber. He did a lot of really cool books, like a lot of really anime-influenced books. I loved them. I thought they were great. And a lot of other people did, too. He made a ton of fucking money. Enough so that he could start his own company and buy the Transformers license. And Dreamwave Productions put out Transformers comics starting in the early 2000s yeah they made some pretty Um, decent books too they looked amazing yeah like pat lee's artwork on these books were great but they never finished because they were always late like pat lee was a notoriously late artist um and it was worth it every time his stuff came out you were like god damn that looks good but because the books were so late by the time dreamwave ended up filing for bankruptcy they had like four or five different Transformers series that they had started, like including Beast Wars and some one-shot stuff and a bunch of different things going on that never finished. Yeah, I, IDW, I think, has all the rights to them. You can buy a lot of those Dreamscape stuff through their website now. Can you? Uh, yeah, I did buy the um, Beast Wars... I I guess it's a trilogy. It was like a three part miniseries, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 was great. And yeah, I bought it right through their website. You, I couldn't find it anywhere else. Um, so yeah, I mean, it it's purchasable. Um, it might take a little while to look for it. I don't know if it's still available through IDW. That just might have been a thing because that was quite some time ago. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I bought it. It's 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 great stuff. It looks so good. Dan's really got a point there. They have a um. The one I bought, again, was the Beast Wars one. It had a source book in the back that went through all the characters. And it, mm-hmm. it was very detailed uh, um, drawings of all the characters and then a biography to go with it. Kind of like what you'd find on the back of all like the toy boxes, which was really cool. So I had a lot of fun uh, with that. And those weren't those called like More Than Meets the Eye or something like that? Uh, which ones? The I think the, the ones that... Because this is where it gets confusing. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. It, those are called More Than Meets yes. the Eye, and they're the Dreamwave production ones, and they are just bios of the characters. But now IDW is putting out a book called Transformers More Than Meets the Eye that is not bios of characters, but is just actual storyline. 
Yeah, yeah, there there is a yeah. lot of stuff going on uh with the IDW stuff is very interesting, but it's been going on for a long time and it seems only recently they've kind of found a a um a niche where everything's sort of falling into place now. Yeah. Well, like and that's the weird thing about the IDW stuff was that when they got the license for Transformers, they brought Simon Furman back over who had also written stuff for the Dreamwave books. But they, IDW then got the license. They brought Simon Furman in, and they said, okay, go ahead. Well, well they basically... Make this yeah, work. Yeah, they were like, fuck it. And uh, they pretty much rebooted the entire franchise. But they rebooted starting with, like, it was an ongoing series of miniseries. Yeah, yeah. It, it's called the... Uh, Asian series, I think, and yeah, uh, it's it's. I didn't mind you. I did not say Asian. I said Asian. <laughs> so, A T I O N Asian. Um, basically, it's all these books. Uh, there. I think the first one's Infiltration. There's Devastation, yeah. Escalation, Infestation, and then there is a Stormbringer uh side story that ties into one of them directly as well. I think I hit them all. I think so. So that started, and it was. Like I said, an ongoing series of miniseries, which means that the book was moving forward, the continuity was moving forward, but they were continuously restarting with number ones. Correct, yeah. Which makes it difficult to go back and try and start at the beginning. No, I actually had to look up um, where it started and then <laughs> which uh, series came after that. Because if you read them out of order, nothing's going to make sense. They're supposed to be read in order, but if you didn't read it at that time or you don't know what year it came out, you're totally screwed. And there were, I think, six issues apiece for most of them. One was like two. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, th that's that's only six months. So some of these ran within the same year. So it was you had to really know what you were reading. Otherwise, it really got confusing. Also... Fun to note, there is a Megatron-like origin story tied into all this, too, which everyone should read, because Megatron wasn't always a douchebag. Not always. No. He was a good guy. Yeah. It, it, sort of. Things kind of got... He, I, you know what? To be honest, I equate him to, like... Uh, forgive me if any people are touchy. I kind of equate, equate him to, like, Hitler, because... He started out with the best intentions of things, telling people that, and then once he got into power, oh man, th did things get out of control really fucking quick. <laughs> things came off the rails in a big bad yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the things that he does in the books are sort of kind of like that. He's not a good guy. Definitely not. So, these books have been going on, and we'll talk about their quality in a minute, because I know that's mainly what you want to get to here, but... What further complicates or makes things more interesting is that IDW then did a crossover with Marvel, and it was New Avengers Transformers, but it was the IDW continuity crossing back over with the Marvel continuity, but had nothing to do with Marvel's Transformers books. Yeah, um, th it doesn't really hold any <laughs> canon. It's just a fun thing. It's just a thing that happened. Yeah, I, I mean, Transformers has done this before. There's been a Transformers Ghostbusters book, I think, as well. And, mm -hmm. and Transformers G.I. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't tie in. It's just, you know, especially with the G.I. Joe stuff, it's two nostalgic 80 characters that, like, it, yeah, it could work, all right. You know, why not? And I think uh, one of them ran 
for it had to be six or seven issues. It, it was it was a pretty long miniseries. So yeah, I mean you know if 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 you want to get super nostalgic, it's something to read. Highlighting the absolute most ineffective soldiers that there have ever been. Oh my god, they missed like like every seriously. Shot. Yeah, go watch a GI Joe cartoon. These are the highest trained military personnel that there has ever been. They can't fucking hit the broadside of a barn. They couldn't hit water falling out of a boat. It's ridiculous. Nah, but when Sergeant Slaughter shows up, oh yeah. <laughs> All right, you maggots. <laughs> you pukes. And you know what fucking the worst thing is? Shit. He's never been in shape. Why draw him with like thousands of muscles? <laughs> so jacked. Yeah, dude. He's so jacked. He's never oh, been fuck. that jacked. I love Sergeant Slaughter and G.I. Joe. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So, all right. So all of this weird continuity and all this stuff aside, looking at the IDW Transformers stuff, it's really good. Oh, it's rock solid. Those guys did not fuck around when they made this. Like, they have done themselves a great disservice by not just having a number one and making this easy for people to jump into. Because, you know, like you said, with... You're just going uh, going back and buying this stuff. Like, are you grabbing it through Comixology? Uh, yeah. Um, what it was was, yeah, I, I put a post out on Reddit, and I, I said, listen, we're going to do a podcast about the Transformers timeline. What do I do? And these people were nice enough. Shout out to the people on Reddit. Thank you, guys. Uh, they were nice enough to send me a, a, a wiki uh, with all the, the, the stuff laid out and a nice neat timeline and it it had everything if i wanted to read the transformers gi joe stuff that was there too if uh, i wanted but i stuck mainly with the idw stuff because that's the main continuity right now and it still can tie into most of the other crap as well so um yeah it it, it starts with all the asian stuff which is there they get on earth uh, it goes into the backstory about how they got there and the battle for for earth and the energon on there then we go over to um, War's Over. They're back on Cybertron. Uh, people aren't digging Optimus. He leaves. And then it's all about the um, the Autobots trying to find, like, uh, fuck, the Knights of, of Cybertron. It gets really, really bananas, but it's basically Star Trek with robots. <laughs> best thing i've ever read like i i i'm so into it i like so if you've ever even remotely heard of transformers you know that the autobots are good guys and the decepticons are bad guys and the autobots are gonna win sooner or later you know that what you right. don't know is this new book what's gonna happen because it's not about people winning or losing it's about you know finding something so are they going to find it? Because these Knights of Cybertron, basically what they are is they terraformed the planet uh, of Cybertron, and then they went out to spread the uh, um, the the good word of the Cybertronian race. So they left, and they're kind of, I guess they're sort of like gods. They just left their creation to, to run itself. And um didn't go well, because there's a huge war, and it <laughs> fucked everything up. But... um. <laughs> You know, it's like I said, it's interesting because we know the war ended. We know that the Autobots won. We don't know what happened after that war. So this is all new content. This hasn't been done before in in really any any manner or any manner like this. 
So it's really cool. And again, it's it's one of those things where you're getting introduced to new characters all the time. So it's very interesting to see how how they react with ones that you know. Um, I read a quick little mini-sode with Ratchet. And it was talking about all his... Um, his past things with uh you know he he's the medic for the Autobots he's the chief medical officer for the Autobots and uh it goes into a bit of his past and that dude has seen some shit man he has worked on some people <laughs> like that guy is an important dude he is like the most important dude so um he he's very old and apparently I don't know how this works for robots but his hands are starting to stiffen up I guess you know joints whatever they they get stiff right and the servos and whatnot yeah, and, and the gears are wearing out exactly and he's like these hands once they go I can't get another hand uh, set of hands like this they just they don't make them like this I can get them replaced but they're just not the same and it's a story about uh how he gets a new pair of hands. And it's kind of fucking crazy because you don't see it coming that he's going to get a new pair of hands. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, it's 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 so great. And that's in the more than meets the eye stuff. That's way later down the line. All the stuff dealing with um, um, them on Earth and everything. Oh, man, uh, it's it's something else. Uh, you know, it, it focuses on the humans a bit because there's always been the interaction between the Autobots, Decepticons, and humans. And uh, it's very, very interesting to see how it all goes down. I, uh, Guys, listen, I, you know, you might be nostalgic and want to read the 80s books, but the IDW is the stuff that people are going to remember and the stuff that's going to be a little timeless. Well, yeah, they, they've really taken it and they, they've almost turned it into like, like Greek mythology or Roman mythology with like the creator God, pretty much. Didn't he create like, there's this overall central creator figure. Yeah. He makes the, uh, the, the transformation, the knights. Yeah, the knights and the transformation cog, I think it's called. Right. And, and then the knights have a war between themselves. Yeah. They, they break up into tribes. Uh, so this is what sort of starts, um, a sort of small like war before the war and um you start hearing about all these old school heroes that you are referenced in the show a little bit that you even see in the show i believe one of the uh the big heroes is uh metroplex and metroplex yeah. does show up in the cartoon he shows up in the video game metroplex is a fucking badass shout out to metroplex bro <laughs> big fan of the show yeah. literally quite literally because uh, he's he's big, but yeah, there, yeah, there's a huge war. Um, it ends out that I think one of the tribes or like a couple of them come out on top. They create well, yeah, and the the one, the the knight of death, pretty much is killed. Yes. So the transformers are kind of immortal. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, they they have like some sort of like they have a spark in themselves, and really the only way to kill them is to extinguish their spark or like straight up take it out of their body. So right. you know, there's not really a lot of things that could happen to a transformer that can really go wrong. However, it's sort of degraded down the line where they can sort of die in certain ways, shapes, okay. and forms. There's a lot. There's <laughs> there's a lot. To this thing and, and making it this kind of mythological series is is really awesome. 
and like I started getting back into it more recently with the Combiner Wars stuff because that shit's just cool. The forbidden technology, man. Oh, the forbidden technology. Like, robots joining together to become a bigger robot is just cool. Oh, yeah, man. Devastator, Menacer, fucking all those guys are crazy. Bruticus. Yeah, dude. They, they, there are a lot of really, really cool uh, robots. And the thing is, whenever the writers want to, they can always make a new one because there's just so many Autobots and Decepticons. You could really do whatever you want. It It's really... Like, what blows me away about this, too, is the artwork that has been in these books. It's been pretty consistently excellent throughout IDW's run. Because yeah. with so much of this going on at the same time, like like we said, you know, you can do pretty much what you want of making robots form into other robots and make a big giant fucking robot, and this one turns into this thing, and that one turns... Like, that could get really confusing. But they've done such a good job on this book of making it relatively easy to follow from a visual storytelling standpoint. Like I'm, I'm just blown away by it. Oh yeah. And you know, the, the thing is that this, again, this is not like the Marvel books. It might, it's a little, it's closer to the UK stuff, but I, I think it's even more serious than that. Um, you know, there's, there's Optimus and Megatron are not the the big players here. They are at the beginning, but things sort of take their own ride. You know, you see a lot of Galvatron, Overlord, um, Rodimus. Unicron. Un Unicron, Ultra Magnus. They're all big players in this stuff. Um, and again, you'll see Megatron and Optimus put up their heads, but they're sort of like the 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 candy you know, at or mm -hmm. like a dessert. You know, you got to work your way through it to make it to them. And again, it's not work. It's a lot of fun to read. But, you know, when you see them, it's like, oh, shit, things are serious. Those two are here? Oh, my God. You know, because um, Megatron is, is uh, he's, he's almost a god himself. Like, the, the way the Decepticons look at him, he is the ultimate leader there is nothing higher than him in the decepticon like rankings nothing at all maybe besides unicron but he's like some super god so you can't really count that yeah. but um same thing with optimus he is the guy that you know kept the autobots going at their darkest hour he can push them through anything so when those two show up it's sort of a big deal in the books like a very much so big deal that's awesome where uh where would you suggest people start because oh. people listen to this and they're like, all right, sounds cool, mythology, Transformers, I want to get into it. Is there a good jumping on point currently? You, oh God. Is no. it the Windblade series? No. Um, <laughs> no, 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 there's not. Go back and get all of it. Yeah, to be honest, man, you got to start it. If you want to start with IDW, that's fine. That's cool. Um, it'll explain everything. Uh, that you're ever going to need to know. Like, literally, it's a self-contained mythos if you want it to be. Um, but you're going to have to start at the beginning. Infiltration is where you'll have to start, and you'll have to work your way up through there. There's, like, four of those Asian mini-series. Uh, they Most of them run, like, six issues apiece. There's a bunch of one-offs uh, one that you can get that highlight the main characters, though they're not critical to the book. They just sort of go into... 
where they come from and whatnot, how they came into being, blah, blah, blah. You can get most of that just from reading the main storyline, though. After that, um, you can go into, uh, I think, All Hail Megatron's a big one, Heart of Darkness. And then uh, you can go into um, More Than Meets the Eye. That one. You can go into More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, and if you get the trade, it comes with the death of Optimus Prime. So, yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Um, and that'll pretty much catch you up. It's a lot of reading. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right now. But it's very worth it if you like Transformers. And I got to say, I was maybe, like, on the fence about this because I read some old stuff. But once you read it in order, everything makes more sense. And it gets so much fucking better. All right. Well, I can't argue with that, man. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a dope series. Yeah, I, I dig it. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and 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 attempt uh, to, to to get through through this stuff because, like I said, I kind of jumped back in with the Combiner Wars stuff because it was just like, oh, cool robots, and then I, you know, started getting interested in in this stuff again. So I'm going to jump back in, start back with infiltration. Yeah. That's, that's what the more way can to you do it. No. For, uh, yeah. Taking the mythology seriously, adding spokes to the wheel. Can't ask for much more than if that. If it ever goes to beast wars, I will be the happiest person on the face of this earth. <laughs> oh my God. You have no idea how happy I'd be if that happened. Give me Optimus primal. Um, you have, he's a fucking badass dude. And, <sighs> I'm I'm not going to go into it. If you want to read any Beast Wars, there's really only one thing to read and that's around here anyway and it's the um Dreamscape stuff, which isn't bad. It's really good. Um it's a little confusing, especially if you've never watched the um cartoon. You're going to have to watch the cartoon first, which means you'll have to sit through very mediocre CGI. Well, oh, so bad. At the, it's so now bad. Now it is. At the time, it was the coolest shit ever. Oh, at the, at the time, it was groundbreaking. And now you look back on it and you go, oh, man, could you just redraw yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's like Reboot. Like, like Reboot never... Uh, they're they're going to make a new one of Reboot, but uh, Reboot... They're going to Reboot Reboot? Yeah, they are. Um, But, uh, it you know, that's another book. That, not a book. Uh, another TV show that just didn't age well. A lot of that CGI stuff didn't from the 90s. It looked great back then, but now it just looks fucking terrible. It really does. All right, well... To close us out, Secret Wars, Transformers, a bit of news happened this week that I just want to get your hot take on here, Dean. All right. Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel's film division, will no longer take any notes from the Marvel Creative Committee, which consisted of guys like Brian Michael Bendis and Joe Quesada and a few others. Are They are apparently the reason that Edgar Wright left the Ant-Man movie because the notes from the creative committee were annoying and would not work for filmmaking and that sort of thing. They have been involved, though, in every Marvel Comics film up to the last one that their notes will be actively involved in, I believe, is Doctor Strange. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> they are no longer They are no longer a thing, and Kevin Feige will no longer be reporting to Marvel CEO Ike Perlmutter, he will now be reporting directly to Disney CEO Bob Iger. Yeah. Because apparently the story came out this week 
that Disney considered Avengers Age of Ultron a flop because a flop? it did not make it did not make as much money as they thought it was going to. It was not as well received as they thought it was Whatever. going to Whatever. Just because just they were riding the fucking hype train doesn't mean <laughs> that, you know, it was going to make that much. All right, let's let's be real for a second. Marvel's uh, Age of Ultron, like, that, that was way blown out of proportion. There was no way it was going to meet the standards that anyone wanted it to. It was, no, it was, certainly yeah, not. it was so over like hyped and overdone that it couldn't possibly like it just it wasn't going to. Now, what might happen, which won't probably anymore, is it, this is how I look at it. Um, for me, the Lord of the Rings series, the first one was like great, it was, it was a good movie, and people got really hyped mm-hmm. for it. Then the second one came out, and I don't particularly love the second one, but it's, it's there. Two Towers, yeah. And I, people would probably argue this with me. But then my expectations weren't exactly the highest for Return of the King. I saw Return of the King in theaters. I crapped my pants. It was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah, the Army of the Dead was right? fucking amazing. Yeah, dude, like just he, all those. You will suffer me. Oh, my God. Badass line. So good. So good. Yeah. And that's what could happen. Like, you know, it it could turn around and really do well and i mean i don't doubt that but you know that's the thing like when something gets hyped up like that it's never going to live up to expectations and i mean business people should know that most of all like what is going through their heads that they thought it was going to do any better than the original one which it was just the perfect culmination of like everything you know yeah i'm i'm not sure my main question though is this a good thing no, it's not. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you don't think so? No. Uh, listen, I understand directors can get frustrated because they have their own vision for stuff, but right. they don't read comic books a lot of the time. They don't know all the stuff that these creators do. That they these creators have put their heart and souls into these books. They've written them. They've they've lived this. This is their domain. The directors are stepping foot in their domain. So if you can get direction to make it better, take it. Don't say, you know, I'm leaving because these guys are annoying. No, they're not annoying. They're trying to help you make a better product. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I'm kind of split. I'm kind of of two minds on it because, like, one, I, I feel very similarly to how you feel of, like, all right, these are the guys that are, that are making the comics and the Marvel movies. Like, let's be honest, they are the best superhero movies that have ever been made. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, like the bar is pretty high as far as superhero movies. Now, the argument as to whether or not they are actually good movies in the traditional sense, like Citizen Kane, they are not. Well, yeah, that, and that's fine. They're slugfests. They don't have to yeah. be. <laughs> right? They are, they are a very particular form of entertainment. So... Like I said, on one hand, I kind of feel like I don't know if disbanding the creative committee and all that is a good thing. But on the other hand, at this point, as deep as we are into the Marvel Comics releases, the movie releases, I don't know that they're necessary anymore. You think it could sort of drive itself? Yeah, like I think that I think Kevin Feige has his vision of where he wants this to go. It's already planned out to you know 2019 so 
I don't know that they're necessary. And I like I I am very upset that the Ant-Man movie we got, which I really did like. I enjoyed the shit out of that Ant-Man movie. Um I would put it as the second worst Marvel movie. Um like ahead of Iron Man 2 cuz I just don't think Iron Man 2 was all that great. Uh I would put Ant-Man above that. But I still really liked both of the, as much as I say like no nah, it wasn't that good. Um it wasn't that good for a Marvel Comics movie, but I still really liked it. Like I enjoyed the shit out of it. I can't wait to own it on Blu-ray and watch it again. Like I'm very excited about all that. But I am very upset that if the story is true and the notes from the creative committee are what caused Edgar Wright to leave Ant-Man. God damn it, I wanted to see an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie. No, I, I understand what you're talking about. Um, it, you know, it, like, it's too I many want hands, that movie. Yeah, it's too many hands in the pot. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. So at this point, you know, Kevin Feige going directly to Disney, um, I know is everybody's biggest fear. I, like, that's when, when Disney bought Marvel, everybody was like, Oh, fuck, here comes the, the Mickey-fying of Marvel Comics and whatnot. But they've left the comic books alone. I mean, they bought, they bought the company for the movies. Like, let's be honest. You know, they didn't buy them for the comic books. They don't give a shit about the comic books. They're going to make the movies. That's where they're making their money off of it. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, it's big news though. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. I, I mean, my initial reaction is like, why? Why would they do that? But you know, I I can see what you're saying. Like, too many hands in the pot will, you know, tend to mess Ruins stuff the up. Dish, yeah, you know, as the saying goes. So I I get yeah, it. Yeah, and and they really, I can it drive itself at this point. I think it probably can. I think they know how to make these movies. You know what I mean? Um. One thing that that I heard coming out of this that could be a really good thing is that apparently it was Mr. Perlmutter as the CEO of Marvel that was so notoriously negotiating uh, locked in, some would argue, unfair salaries for the actors. Like Robert Downey Jr. is making a shit ton of money on Marvel movies. Nobody else is making a shit ton of money. They're all getting paid. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying cry for the actors in their millions of dollars. But they are not signing contracts nearly as big as they probably should or getting back-end rights. And they're just, they're not making the money that they should be off of these. So the thought has been that some of the stars that they've tried to attract to some of these films have turned it down because they know that they're not getting a fair deal. Apparently that was all Perlmutter and Bob Iger and Disney have said, no, like, we're going to open up the purse a little bit. So that might end up being a good thing at the end of the day, too. I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, it's early on. But, yeah, that's a, it's a little shaky of an announcement. But, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. see where it goes. I mean, at the end of the day, fuck that Fantastic Four movie. That's all I'm saying. That, that, wasn't, a, that wasn't a Disney joint. <laughs> I know. It was so bad. A week late. I know we talked about it last week. But, god damn it. So bad. That good, huh, Dan? Uh, I figured it out, though. When they reboot the Fantastic Four franchise, I figured out who should play Reed Richards. Who? And this is where I'll leave it before I toss it over to our announcer. Go with me on this one. Shia LaBeouf. Hmm. Really? That's it? Just an eh? I mean, I can see it. 
That dude's a really good actor. He is, but he's but he's, he's a whole basket of crazy. I was going to say he's a little nuts, man. I don't know if like he can but God he damn can it, change. he's he's a fucking good actor. I, he's a really good yeah, actor. Yeah, and it's funny because he uh, where he came from, like you know, he's a Disney uh, veteran. He came from even he's Stevens, you know? Yes, he did. And that Holes movie. Oh, yeah, that that was his breakout film, man. Like I know. That, that got him over. Uh Shia LaBeouf, Reed Richards. Yeah, you know, make it happen. I could see it, man. I could see it. I dig make it. Make it happen. Yeah, why not? All right, let's toss it over to the announcer. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thank you, Dan. Attention, listeners. Did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! And that's going to wrap it up for issue 51, the penultimate issue of season one of the Paper Cuts podcast. As always, I would like to thank Dean DeFalco for joining me. I, I don't think you've missed a show this year, Dean. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I've had the Maybe pleasure yeah, of, of, of missing Tim? a show. Uh, I, I got to so. be here for these things. So, yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, yeah, you are the, uh, the recording maestro. Yeah. With your Macho Man Randy Savage voice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's been awesome. I'm looking forward to next week, our season finale. And really, I don't even know why I'm hyping this up. It's not a big deal because we'll be back the week after that, too. But a year is a big deal. We appreciate everybody who listens. We appreciate everybody who takes the time to download this podcast and spend an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes, of your week with us. If you have anything to say, though, please do not hesitate. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow Dean at Kimono underscore Vestlord. You can follow me at GeekAidDan. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Let us know your opinions on the books that came out, man. We really do want to hear from you guys. So. Anything else, Dean? Um, you good? Yeah, no, many thanks. Uh, we've we've come a long way in all of about a year. I remember last year when we just started this, we had no following, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, we're kind of rocketing through the um, followers and stuff. I think on Instagram we're at like three hundred fifty followers, and we just started that up a couple months ago. Uh, and Thanks to our mighty, mighty editor-in-chief, Chris Randazzo, we hit 10,000 page views, uh, unique page views, on our uh, website this week. So Pretty cool. Yeah, that was, that was, that was something cool. Um, Mario Maker articles are kind of a big deal. <laughs> Nothing but Mario Maker articles going Yeah, forward. we're going to change it to Mario Aid or Mario Cade. I don't know, something. Mario Arcade, that's what we're changing it to from now on. No more comics, Dan. Sorry, we're shutting the podcast down. Shit. All right. Well, join us next week for what may be our final issue of the Paper Cuts podcast. For Dean DeFalco and Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan. <laughs>